from Verge Headquarters in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm Matt Hunkler with Powder Keg. Today we talk with a software company executive who has directed investments into more than 150 enterprise cloud startups in the past seven years alone. And what we found was we could really help these companies succeed quite a bit with our customers, but also advising them on their business models and their product strategy and, you know, getting them through some of their, helping them solve some of their toughest issues because we had gone through it ourselves. And so we felt that we were able to create a lot of value for these companies. And so why not also invest in them and, and, you know, and share in some of that upside? And so the program grew and grew from that point and has now become one of the largest uh, corporate technology investment programs. That's John Samorjai, Executive Vice President of Corporate Development and Head of Salesforce Ventures, which is one of the largest corporate venture funds in the world. Now, Salesforce happens to be one of our biggest partners at our parent company, Verge, which produces this podcast, Powder Keg. So we had some pretty incredible access with Samorjai, and that's why I'm super, super excited that we recorded the conversation, because that means that you're going to get all of that high-growth, techie goodness that's in this episode. In the interview, John's going to share some of his personal stories, including his collaboration with Salesforce CEO and founder, Mark Benioff. We spend most of our time learning about corporate venture capital or corporate VC, which is exactly what Salesforce Ventures is. Now, in case you haven't heard of corporate VC, or maybe uh, you just need a little refresher on why it's important, basically, it's a venture fund designed to invest corporate funds directly into external startup companies. And in Salesforce Ventures case, it's a lot of companies. It's actually a very active fund with 150 plus companies in their investment portfolio. So Samarjai is going to share his tips on getting funded by a corporate VC, why you might consider corporate VC as a source of capital to grow your business, as well as why you might want to adopt a 111 philanthropy model. I'm just going to leave that there as a teaser. You're going to have to listen to figure out what that is. But we're also going to dive into what both investors and entrepreneurs can learn from Salesforce Ventures expansion into European markets. All of that here today for you on Powder Keg. Here's a great way to listen to Powder Keg on your commute, at the gym, or anytime you need a quick hit of inspiration. I've got just three words for you. Subscribe on iTunes. Yes, we are in the iTunes store and you can find us by searching for Powder Keg. That's Powder Keg, all one word. Or you can go to powderkeg.co slash iTunes, which will take you directly to all of our episodes. You can download or stream any of the conversations with people like Christian Anderson, who's a partner at High Alpha. Now, High Alpha is a venture studio that launched eight funded startups in its first year of operation. So Christian brings a ton of experience to that episode, and that's actually episode number one. You'll also get interviews with guys like Cole Hatter, who is a master connector. That's episode number three. He's an author, investor, speaker, and founder who pursued entrepreneurship out of desperation. And he pursued it out of desperation because he wanted to build something that was mission-driven. And he did that through business and his lifestyle, and he's impacted literally millions of people with that. I love that you powder keggers are finding us in iTunes, subscribing, and even leaving reviews. I read every single one of those amazing little love letters, and I want to take a second right now to share 
one of those reviews that I just absolutely loved. This one was from Birch Startups. Birch Startups said, awesome insights. That's the title. Uh, the quote here is, just binge listen to all of the available episodes. Great insights and great stories for anyone involved with startups. End quote. Birch Startups, you rock, man. For real, thank you from the bottom of my heart. That is an awesome review, and you're an awesome person for taking the time to leave one. And thanks to everyone else who has subscribed and left a review on iTunes. Super helpful for us, especially in these first couple of weeks on the iTunes store, because it helps boost our visibility amongst other podcasts, as well as makes sure our stories are reaching more people. So go ahead and go to powderkeg.co slash iTunes, and that's going to take you directly to where you can subscribe and leave a review. If you use another podcast platform, you can find us pretty much everywhere else. Whether you use Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, SoundCloud, we pretty much got you covered. You can find all of those links and more, including show notes and a full transcript for every episode at powderkeg.co. You can also find more details on our site about the people and organizations who make Powder Keg possible. Now, on that note, I want to make sure I take a minute to thank our founding partner, Developer Town, for sponsoring this episode. Stay tuned after the main interview because we have a special bonus interview that has a brand new segment from an awesome conversation I had with Matthew Anderson. Now, if you don't know Matthew, he is a Developer Town client and a partner through his company, Mavenly. The thing I love about Matthew is that he has a unique approach to entrepreneurship as well as marketing. And this conversation is going to give you a glimpse into some of the innovative value that Developer Town brings to its clients. Now, Developer Town, or DT as I often abbreviate it, works with clients ranging from first-time entrepreneurs to Fortune 100 companies. Now, this is for organizations that want to build and launch an app or a digital product. They've been really helpful for us here at Powder Keg with our podcast launch strategy, and they've even helped with some of our expansion into various cities where we host our live events under the Verge brand. So do yourself a favor and get in touch with DT at developertown.com slash powder keg. All right, my powder keg people, our guest today is John Samorjai, Executive Vice President of Corporate Development and Head of Salesforce Ventures. Now, Salesforce has over 3,000 partners and 150 plus companies in their current investment portfolio, but they've also had 30 plus exits and five IPOs. So that's on top of the 150. You can look up more about Salesforce, its acquisitions and investments on salesforce.com. They're also at Salesforce on Twitter, but also have various other handles, including at Salesforce VC and at Marketing Cloud. But you can find John at J Samorjai. That's J S O M O R J A I on Twitter. He's wicked smart and definitely worth a follow. So make sure you hit him up there. Now, one of the things we didn't get to discuss in this interview is that Samorjai has his JD from the Bolt Hall School of Law at UC Berkeley. I think that's interesting to note and good context for how he got to where he is at Salesforce. It also gives some insight into how he might think in evaluating startup companies for potential investment. He was a senior director of corporate development at Oracle for almost five years before taking on a VP of business development role at Ingenio, which was a high growth company that was eventually acquired by AT&T. After that, Samorjai joined forces with Mark Benioff at Salesforce.com. And since 2005, John has led the evaluation, 
deal execution and integration for all of its mergers and acquisitions and all of the investments as well at Salesforce. His team helped him bring the company into insane growth areas through its acquisitions at Demandware, Exact Target, let's see, Radian 6, Buddy Media, Heroku. Jeez, the list goes on and on. You can look it all up later. They have done so many acquisitions. They've made so many investments. I could go on and on about this guy all day, but I think it's best if we just dive right in. So here's John Samorjai, EVP at Salesforce and Salesforce Ventures. So I was in the corporate development department at Oracle for a period of time in the late part of the 90s. And uh, when I was in corporate development, I worked on investments and acquisitions for Oracle, and I got to know Mark Benioff. So how did you how did you guys meet? Well, we worked on so Mark was a business unit leader at Oracle, and yep. so we we worked on some deals with him, and that's how we originally met. And I kept in contact with him after I left Oracle in two thousand. And so he left Oracle in nineteen ninety nine to start Salesforce. I left a year after him mm-hmm. to go to a startup called Ingenio, and then Ingenio became a customer of Salesforce actually. And it was, I ran, I was vice president of business development there, but I had a whole bunch of operational roles, including running a sales team. And I brought in Salesforce for my sales team and also our customer support team and Ingenious started using it. And what was interesting about it is that we had spent a million dollars. Our company had raised a lot of money from uh, some prominent VCs and we had spent a lot of that money, and, and, and one of the silly things that we did was we spent a million dollars to buy and implement Siebel, and we could never get it to work. And so we threw out Siebel, put in Salesforce, and within a week, my sales team was up and running. Within two weeks, our entire support team was up and running, and people loved it. And that was my first introduction to the magic of, of Salesforce and, and what we can do for, for customers. It sounds like a pretty good first impression of the software. What was your first impression of, uh, of Benioff when you guys are working together at Oracle? He is, he's just a, a brilliant man and a very, very down-to-earth, easy to work with, and employees absolutely loved working with him. Like His whole team was just completely devoted to him. And, and I actually got to see that even even close, more closely because my wife was an intern in his group during one of her her summers between first and second year of business school, and oh, wow. so and so she would come back with amazing reports about what a great manager he was and what an amazing leader he was, and he you know he was the youngest vice president in Oracle history, mm-hmm. and and then became the youngest senior vice president in Oracle history and just had a lot of success there. And then, you know, he started a lot of philanthropy efforts working with Colin Powell while he was at Oracle. And so, and I thought that was just really great what he was doing. So, you know, he was someone I, 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 there, there were a few Oracle executives I actually wanted to stay in touch with after I left the company. Mark was one of them. You know, he's just a tremendous guy. And so, you know, it was great that we kept in touch. We started using Salesforce in my new company. It was really successful for us. And then, Salesforce went public and it became time for them to hire a corporate development executive with experience in enterprise software and start thinking about acquisitions. And so Mark told me you should come over and take a look at the role. And and so I did. I, I went through the interview process, met with a lot of folks here and really loved it and joined the company in June 2005. Wow, that's great. That that is a it's a cool story to hear, 
you know, just how staying in touch with someone, getting to know the way they work, understanding that uh, the company and the software, the product that they've created is something that you'd like to join and be a part of. And then, of course, you know, fast forward now to what you're doing with corporate VC there at uh, Salesforce Ventures. Also with Benioff's full support, you know, I've been following his tweets and seeing how much he's tweeting about Salesforce mm -hmm. Ventures. Of course, there's some yep. cool, cool stats that have come out recently, just in the last month or so, about what you guys have, have been able to accomplish there. How did that whole thing come about in terms of yep. investing in startups? Yeah, so we started in 2009, and it was basically, if you can, if you can go back to that period of, of time, the financial markets had just collapsed. Mm. There were a lot of, of companies that had started up but were having difficulties raising capital because it was just not a time where venture was doing a lot of investing, particularly in enterprise software. Mm. And so we felt the need to step in and really help these help our partners raise money and with the goal towards building a very broad and diverse group of of the best enterprise cloud companies in this ecosystem so that we could serve our customers more effectively so we you know as you may realize we sell around the world and we needed these companies to be able to not just fill the white spaces and product gaps that you know our solutions needed, but also to be able to service our customers on a global basis. So we invested in a, in a combination of both ISVs and system integrator partners too, and the investments worked. And you know a lot of these early companies that we invested in are now really substantial today. So a few examples from the 2009 class would be DocuSign, Financial Force. HubSpot, Box, the uh, SI Aperio, if you may have heard of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they, they have an office in Indianapolis as well. They do indeed. So there were, there were quite a number of companies that we were get, able to get into at that time at reasonable, reasonable price points. And so all these companies grew up with us and, yeah. their, and their valuations went up with us too. And so well, we did the uh, yeah. we did the interview with uh, Jeremy Roche actually from uh, the CEO of Financial Force. Yeah, and it's just amazing to talk to these entrepreneurs and understand just how much of an impact Salesforce Ventures has had on each company. And of course, Financial Force is a great example of a company that has really grown up in the ecosystem at Salesforce. So it's just amazing to see how that whole ecosystem really is working. Yeah, and what we found was we could really help these companies succeed quite a bit with our customers, but also advising them on their business models and their product strategy and getting them through, you know, some of their helping them solve some of their toughest issues because we had gone through it ourselves. And so we felt that we were able to to create a lot of value for these companies and so why not also invest in them and take um, and you know and share in some of that upside? And so the program grew and grew from that point, and has now become one of the largest uh, corporate technology invest investment programs. What gets you excited? You know, now that you've had uh, several successful investments, and, and when I say several, I mean 150 plus successful investments uh, with Salesforce Ventures. And you've seen a lot of different startups. You've seen a lot of different technology. What gets you excited these days? You know, I, I saw that you just announced a $100 million fund for Europe. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of other startups outside of Silicon Valley. And it's cool to see you guys are, are putting your money there. What, what's getting you excited about that space? 
Well, we have just seen, in, in Europe in particular, we've seen more innovation coming out of Europe than, than ever before. I mean, I, there's really a lot of, of very exciting technology there, and it tends to be at a much lower valuation than what you would see in, um, in large cities and tech hubs in the U.S., the issue in Europe is that the entrepreneurs have a very hard time attracting capital, particularly growth capital. They can get enough capital to get the company off the ground, but then when they hit a certain stage, they can't find that Series B or that Series C. And that's where we see a really good opportunity. In many ways, if you look at Europe today, it's similar to where the U.S. was in 2009 when we started the program. So we do think that it will be very lucrative to start investing in these companies now and help them grow, help them come to the U.S. as well. Oh, that's and, awesome. And we have, um, we have a very large presence now in Europe, and it's, it's one of our fast-growing regions. It's also, other, it's also one of the regions that's growing particularly quickly in terms of cloud adoption. Mm. And so, you know, we felt like this was, a, this was the right time to really try to make a, a bigger commitment there. Oh, that's really cool. You know, I, I think it's neat to see all the startup community activity going on in Europe and just these cities that are kind of powerhouses for cranking out great tech startups, uh, developing really good tech talent. And uh, the fact that there are now VC funds, obviously there are VC funds in Europe, but to see corporate venture funds like Salesforce Ventures looking to put their money there, it's exciting because I think it's going to be a whole different level that is just, like you said, completely untapped. When you look at some of the other players like Intel and, and Microsoft and Google that have created corporate venture capital funds, how are you looking to set yourself apart as you move into some of these new territories? So in a couple of ways, I would, I would say, you know, one thing is that we are very focused only on enterprise cloud companies. Mm. And so we have, we have a very narrow, narrow focus because we know that those are the companies that we can help the most. And that, that's always, you know, I think that discipline has really helped us because all these, the investment program has remained very core to the strategy of the company and very aligned with it. And so it really allows these companies to be successful with us and, and be part of this really growing and thriving ecosystem of cloud companies. I think the second point of differentiation that we have is our commitment to corporate philanthropy and we have, as you know, we have this one 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 model. You're experiencing that actually in Indianapolis because, you know, it's been adopted by our, our marketing cloud there, and we're giving back a lot to the Indianapolis community. Yes, well, we want to we, we want to take that around the world, and we want to have all the companies that we invest in also give back to their communities. We've had 45 companies in our current portfolio have adopted the one 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 model, and then there's an additional group that have their own version of corporate philanthropy, but we'd like to see our entire portfolio adopt integrated corporate philanthropy in their models. We think it is really important and it's, gonna, it's great for employees. It's great for employee retention. This is what millennials really expect in their companies. And it's really great for the communities where these, these companies happen to be set up. So that's, uh, those are probably the, the big points of differentiation I'd highlight. No, I think that's really great. And I would love to come back to that philanthropy piece because that's something that 
has always been so remarkable to me about Salesforce and of course now Marketing Cloud. But I want to come back to that first point about kind of the opportunity to grow up within an ecosystem. And, and one of the things you said that I think is really important for entrepreneurs to hear is just the focus that you guys have. And when approaching any corporate VC, really understanding their track record of investment and where their focus is will make so much more of a difference when you're approaching them and in sort of focusing the efforts on your fundraising. But I, I'm particularly curious, you know, once you've invested and you have this portfolio company, how do you work with them to explore business development opportunities, you know, beyond even just using some of the technology that Salesforce has? Uh, what's sort of the collaboration there in getting new customers to the startup or getting new partnerships or collaborations with software with the startup? Well, we will introduce them to all the right executives within the company. So whether they're in, in the product group, the sales group, the partnership group, you know, we'll make sure that they're connected to the right folks internally who can help them the most. The marketing, the marketing team is also kind of a, is another part of it too because they will work with these partners to make sure that they're properly showcased at all of our events that we have you know, in, in all the big, the big markets around the world. And, and that's really important because all of our customers go to our events. These are the preeminent events for enterprise cloud computing, and so you want to be there. And definitely it gives you a leg up in terms of credibility if you have taken an investment from Salesforce. So we bring all of that to, uh, to the table for all of our portfolio companies. But a lot of it is really dependent on them to effectively you know, take, take the introductions, take the connections that we've given them and really mine those and seek advice from the people that can really help you and come up with interesting ideas to integrate with Salesforce and, and see that through. I think that the companies that don't do as well are the ones that sort of sit back and wait for it to all come to them. Mm. And that's just, it's just unrealistic because everybody here has a full-time job and they're super busy and, and they don't have the time to think about how they can help a partner. The partners, it's really, it's dependent on them to come up with those ideas and then pitch it. And so we do help our partners understand that. We also showcase them at events. So we we have demo days for our executives. We have a um, an event that we do once a year where we bring all of our portfolio CEO companies together, where they can share you know their own issues with one another and see how others have solved similar problems. And then we we bring executives in front of them to teach them some best practices that we that we've developed over the years. And so. There's a lot of there's a big education element to this program. Yeah, I, I think the camaraderie and ability to almost have like accountability partners, having some collaboration between CEOs that are at similar stages, or even mentorship opportunities for CEOs that are, you know, maybe close together but one's a little further along to help mentor the other one. It's cool to hear that you guys are actually making that a specific initiative with things like this event. You know, I, I want to make yeah. sure I come back to something that you were talking about, and I was nodding my head vigorously here on the other end of the line, and that is, you know, making sure that you know as as a portfolio company the right way to talk to an investor, especially mm -hmm. a corporate VC. What is the right way? You, you mentioned sort of like internally pitching, hey, I need help in, in this sort of a way. What's the right way to do that, and what's the wrong way to do that? Well, if you're looking for an investment from a corporate VC, 
the right way to pitch that is how will this benefit the the company? How will this benefit the company that the VC is affiliated with? You know, what can you do together that that would really help with their strategy? I think I think those are the things that most corporate VCs like to hear. Mm-hmm. Now there are, you know, you you also have to show the innovation that you have created and the quality of your team and the market opportunity because that's really that's really that's critical for any investor but specifically with a corporate vc you've got to explain that synergy with their strategy because otherwise it is really you know we're we're very limited in terms of the numbers of of partners that we can invest in and so you really want to stand out from the crowd i mean we have salesforce has over 3000 partners and as I mentioned, we have 150 companies in our current portfolio. And we've also, by the way, had 30 plus exits and five IPOs. And so that's on top of the 150. But, you know, we can't invest in every partner we work with. And so it's got to, they, they have to really stand out and explain how are they going to help Salesforce or in the case, if it's another corporate VC, how will they help that company be more successful with them than without them? Sure. Yeah, that, I think that's great. And you mentioned the 30-some successful exits. I know only a few of those were actually acquired by Salesforce. And right. so I'm, my next question would be, you know, how closely do you analyze the potential for acquisition or acquirability, if that were a word, of these potential investments? Well, you know, it's some, that's one of the, the great things about the investment program, too. And I think most corporate VCs have a, have a similar approach to, to, to us in that, you know, we're not, the investment program is not set up for M&A, but it can make M&A more easy at the right times. And, and that's because you get to know the company, you've worked with them, you understand their financials. And so when that exit opportunity happens, I think it's much it's it can it can happen much more quickly if you've taken an investment from that corporate partner. I think that's that's definitely very true. But with our program, you know, we did not set it up uh, to be about M and A. It was really always about building this ecosystem of the best partners in enterprise cloud computing. But we ended we have ended up buying six of the companies that we've invested in, but many others. As I said, it's been thirty plus exits. So. Many others have been acquired by other companies, including some of our competitors, like Oracle bought one of our companies. And I think that um, that's actually very healthy for the ecosystem that we're building, that there are multiple exit opportunities for these companies. But does that answer your question, Matt? I I think that's a a great, great answer. And I think that I think it's just really exciting to see all of the hard work that you're doing to invest back into the ecosystem is really paying off. And and not just from an altruistic standpoint, but from a capitalistic standpoint, because if the ecosystem grows, then then so do uh, the big players like Salesforce. But just in the last couple couple minutes here, and maybe even the last 30 seconds or so, I, I know you're You've got a tight timeline, John. I appreciate all of your time. I've saved the best part for last, which is I wanted to come back to that one 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 program that you guys have. And so mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to ask you, John, you know, why is it important even for startup companies that maybe don't have even profits to to speak of yet? Why is it important for startups to start with philanthropy and, and have that a core piece of their culture? Well, it's definitely a lot easier to start the model when you you don't have um, 
you don't have profits and you don't have a lot of revenue I, I th- and you don't have a lot of investors. I think it's just easier to have that thing going from the beginning and making it a core part of your culture than it is to try to throw it in and like when you've gone public or or when you're much later stage when investors might just say, you know, well, what do you mean you have to dilute me by 1%? You know, it's way, way easier to just do it up front and have it be done and be part of your culture. And believe me, employees really love it. They love it and they want it. And and this is it's a great way to to have team building, you know, we do my team every quarter, we do a um, volunteer program together where, you know, in the last year we've built houses for Habitat for Humanity. We have built bikes for the YMCA. We've helped revamp parks. We've worked in, in soup kitchens. You know, we've done a whole bunch of different type of, of activities and it really helps bring the whole team together and, and allows them to get to know each other outside of work and, it's really it's a nice thing to do from that perspective, and it's also I don't I think that it really makes people feel good about the company that they're working for, and that they care so much about the community that they live in, and it's not just about making money. Absolutely. Well, John, I uh, I absolutely love what you're doing, and I appreciate you taking the time to share your story, share the story of Salesforce Ventures and some of your portfolio companies. I uh, would love to follow up about the one 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 model and and help evangelize that with you here in the Midwest. Appreciate what you're doing, and, uh, and thanks so much for taking the time. Okay, thanks, Matt. Great to meet you. Likewise. This conversation with John was so insightful, and I'm a big fan of what he's doing with Salesforce Ventures, investing in tech companies, not just all over the country, but all over the world. And he sees those opportunities that are happening in non-traditional startup communities, which is just awesome. And uh, I want to take a minute because I'm actually standing in the office right now of Nick Wangler, our partner at Developer Town. So he's a partner at Developer Town. Developer Town is one of our partners here at Powder Keg. And um, I'm standing here with Nick, kind of reflecting on this episode, thinking about how Salesforce Ventures is investing in these entrepreneurial, high growth tech companies. And I want to give him an opportunity to introduce this story that we're continuing from the last episode with Matthew Anderson. Yeah, so Matthew's the founder and CEO of Mavenly, which is a online platform for helping brands manage their brand ambassadors. And so he's just, uh, I mean, so much of this episode really, uh, I had Matthew in mind when I thought about the types of people that, you know, he's talking about who they're looking for and who makes the ideal entrepreneur. And so uh, Matthew's got some good stuff for us. What's your favorite quote? Yeah, my favorite quote is, take it easy, but take it uh, by Woody Guthrie. And I just love that because it's like, take it easy, but take it. I think everyone could use a little dose of chill pill, but then people get too complacent. Uh, so that's my favorite. I love that. Uh, this is not necessarily my all-time favorite, but it's one that I, I heard recently that I, I just loved, and it's uh, from Brad Holiday at uh, GrowthX, and he, he, he said, products don't create value, customers do, uh, which really spoke clearly to me being, you know, being a marketing guy. Ultimately, it's all about the customer and how we're going to be able to add value for them and the customer is what actually makes everything worth it. I think that really summarizes the value that Developer Town brings to this whole product development, software development side of things, is this focus on business first, 
then Cool Technology, which you guys have some of the best developers in the world here, uh, which is great. Uh, but that matters a whole lot less if they're not building the right things that result in customers and loyal fans that are using the product every day and telling their friends about it. To learn more about Developer Town and the awesome work that they're doing, go to developertown.com slash powderkeg. You'll not only get a direct line into the developer townies and the brilliant minds there, but you'll also get some free resources on building and launching tech and info products. You can find show notes for this episode at powderkeg.co and be sure to hop on our email list there. We're releasing tons of bonus footage, some how-to guides, and even some bonus interviews. But this is only for email list subscribers, so be sure to check it out. We're coming out with new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe on iTunes or at our handy link that is powderkeg.co slash iTunes. Thanks again to everyone who shared an episode of Powder Keg, subscribed to us on iTunes, or left us a review. It's the only way we're going to spread this message and reach new people, and we couldn't do it without you. So until next time, we'll see you in the next episode of Powder Keg. Powder Keg.